Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, friends, I'm thrilled that you have found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we will be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. Hopefully, you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we will delve into my mailbag, answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This comes from Moses' brother, priest Aaron, and he gives this blessing in the form of a benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, imagine that pride was on trial and Jesus was the lead prosecutor. He might start off looking at all the barriers to entry and belief in the one called Jesus. A few episodes back, we learned in John's account that the religious leaders had plotted to kill Jesus. These men were Pharisees and they were confronted point blank with the power of Jesus's deity and some refused to believe. These eyewitnesses not only refused to believe, they turned around and then plotted his murder. Their hearts were stony, hard, calloused, non-penetrable. They preferred the position of rejecting God's son over acceptance and admission that they were wrong in their beliefs. And if you look at the series we just completed, there are a lot of wrong beliefs out there. So John chapter 1 verse 51 shares with us, is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? He asked, and this was Nicodemus, the Pharisee who had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus had become a secret believer of Jesus, but he couldn't go public because most of the Pharisees hated Jesus and wanted to kill him. And by speaking up for Jesus, Nicodemus risked his reputation and his high position. His remarks were bold and brought suspicion upon himself. What Nicodemus was doing was showing the Pharisees how they were not upholding their very own laws. The Pharisees were losing ground. The temple guards had returned and were impressed with Jesus. The Pharisees' hypocritical motives were being exposed, and their prestige slowly was being eroded. They banded together and began moves to protect themselves. Pride was interfering with their ability to reason. Soon these men gave in to obsession to rid themselves of Jesus just to save face. What was good, respectful, and right all went out the window. 
You see, friends, oftentimes when there is an opponent that someone does not like, people will band together. Even enemies who were formerly enemies against each other will come together to oppose the one they're trying to rid. Pride is insidious, and when it's encouraged and allowed to grow within us, a deep root takes shape that's nearly impossible to break. When we operate from a spirit of pride, our decisions become clouded, often not making sense. Sometimes we even see prejudice holding people hostage. Take, for example, Haman from the book of Esther, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Since he had learned that Mordecai was a Jew, he decided to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Out of all the people living in Persia that bowed to Haman, he could only bring himself to focus on the one man who would not show him the respect he felt he deserved. Haman realized that the only way to fulfill his self-centered desires was to kill all those who disregarded his authority. He was consumed by his quest for personal power and his hatred of the Jews. At this point, Jesus approaches the juror's bench with a white sheet of paper. Holding it up, he asks, what do you see on this paper to each of the panelists? One by one, they answer him, nothing. There's nothing on that sheet of paper until he gets to the very last juror who says, I see a red dot, he answers. You are correct. There's a small red dot in the center of this white paper. Had it not been for the one red dot on this paper, humanity would not have been saved. Oftentimes, our pride gets in the way of seeing what is really right in front of us. The dot, of course, is representative of Jesus's shed blood for all who will believe in the free gift of salvation. The moral to this story about Haman and Mordecai is that pride bound up Haman. All he could focus on was killing Mordecai. Ironically, Haman dies on the very gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Psalm chapter 35 verses 7 and 8. David says it like this. Although I did them no wrong, they laid a trap for me. Although I did them no wrong, they dug a pit for me. So let sudden ruin overtake them. Let them be caught in the snare they set for me. Let them fall to destruction in the pit they dug for me. Two incompatible things are pride and the presence of God. Psalm chapter 10 verse 11 tells us the wicked say to themselves, God isn't watching. He will never notice. Friends, this is blind arrogance to the presence of God deep within our hearts. This is a person who is so dependent upon themselves rather than upon God. When this is the case, the Holy Spirit cannot guide, reveal, nor direct this person's life. 
However, like a GPS or navigation system that offers guiding influence, the Holy Spirit will offer guidance for a person who welcomes the presence of God within their lives. When it comes to our faults, we've been taught to turn our weaknesses into strengths when sharing them. An example that comes to mind is that of completing weekly assignments that are due on Friday. Typically, I get them in by Wednesday evening. Do you see how this is turning a perceived weakness into a strength? The fact is, we all have weaknesses, but in our positioning of them, we can flip them into strengths. We don't want to be blind to our perceived faults. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13, Paul puts it this way, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know the promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. Though you once were far away from God, now you have brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. Paul was teaching that both the Jews and the Gentiles alike could be guilty of spiritual pride. The Jews for thinking their faith and their traditions elevated them above everyone else, and the Gentiles for trusting in their achievements, their power, and their position. Spiritual pride always blinds us to our own faults while we're easily able to magnify the faults of others. And some people believe picking out a flaw in a room or in other people is a gift. But truly, I tell you, it is not. Jesus' ways are love, not fault-finding. We must not become too proud of our salvation either. Instead, we need to humbly come before our God and say thank you for His grace and His peace and all He has done to open our eyes to the operation of pride within our lives. The book of Proverbs gives us many examples of where pride leads a person. We especially are given example after example of pride versus humility. Here's a look at a few. When we operate from a spirit of humility, we're led to wisdom, which simply means skill for living. The opposite is pride, which leads to disgrace. Humility also accepts advice and brings honor. Conversely, pride rears its ugly head by producing arguments, strife, humiliation, and it often leads to punishment, destruction, and the overall downfall of a person. How often have you said the phrase, I was wrong, or I need some advice? If you're like most people, you've not said that phrase often, or not at all. Why? Pride. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, Solomon instructs us, Pride leads to arguments. Those who take advice are wise. 
The opposite of pride is humility. Pride is an ingredient in every single quarrel. Evil choices always follow this same pattern served up on a silver platter from the enemy. These choices bring confusion and destruction into a person's life, stirring up conflict and often dividing people to their very core. When we opt for humility, we see healing and a governor against pride is set. As God's chosen children, we must put aside pride. Pride interferes with God getting his blessings to us. Luke chapter 1 verse 48, For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and now generation after generation will call me blessed. This was Mary speaking, yet she was speaking, was she speaking from pride? No, absolutely not. She was recognizing and accepting the gift God had given her. If Mary had denied her incredible position, she would have been throwing God's blessing back at him. So here's the difference. Pride is refusing to accept God's gifts or taking credit for what God has done. Humility, on the other hand, is accepting the gifts and using them to praise and serve our God. We must not deny, belittle, or ignore our gifts. We're not called by God to play small. Instead, we are to thank God and use these gifts for his glory. It is truly no surprise that Satan attacks us in the areas of pride through our minds. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Matthew shares with us, Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil. This shows us that unless we're given opportunities to disobey God, we'll remain unaware to what true obedience looks like. This testing of Jesus shows us that he really is the son of God who was able to overcome the devil and his testing. In the book of Deuteronomy, we learn that God had led Israel into the wilderness to both humble and test them. We will be tested. It is a given. It's how we respond in these trials and tribulations that define our character and our humility. Our convictions are shown strong when they hold up under pressure. Satan wants us to live his way or even our way, but definitely not God's way. Sometimes these temptations will be especially strong in our lives, causing us to want to give up. And yet, we are Christian soldiers, part of God's army, who do not give in for any man or any devil. Our roots run deep and spread out wide. We learn in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. When we are operating out of worldliness, it can be both an internal and an external job. It may be the people we associate with, 
not everyone has our best interests in mind. Some people, and I hate to say this, but including family, wants to see our demise and will smile in our face while stabbing us with the knife through the back. You've heard of beware of wolves who come in sheep's clothing. That's not just a metaphor, it's a truism. It's also the places we go within the world. Internally, worldliness begins within our heart. We experience the lust for physical pleasure. This is attempting to gratify our physical desires. The lust for everything we see, craving and accumulating things, we are warned not to make materialism our idol. And finally, pride in our possessions. We must be careful not to become obsessed with one's status or that of one's importance. We can look as if we are not worldly on the outside, but we may be harboring worldly desires on the inside. God values a commitment to his standards, and we need to remove pride from the menu of life to get along with not only others, but ourselves too. We see a harbinger occur when the John when John the Baptist tells us in John 1st John um, excuse me, John chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not know who will soon begin his ministry. I am not even worthy to be his slave. And Luke had previously said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. If such a great man felt inadequate, how much more should we too lay aside our pride out of servitude for Jesus? When the scales fall from our eyes and we really see and understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, our pride and our self-importance will melt away. Imagine what Jesus' closing arguments would look like against pride. He would explain that, Had his mission failed upon earth, we would all be eternally ruined. But the good news tells us that his mission succeeded. In his death, he conquered Satan and was deemed the ultimate winner. It need not matter what tricks Satan has up his sleeves to deceive God's creation. When it looks like we've lost, we can have the last laugh recognizing that we have won. We are the ultimate victors over pride, over death, and over the devil. Satan can continue to use spiritual warfare and people as the perceived foe attempting to block our God-given purposes upon earth, but he will be crushed and defeated in the end. Jesus faced all the same temptations that man faces, and he never gave in. He stood guard against the attacks of the enemy. And friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus, professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. 
His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you, I'm challenging you to take a bold step of courage and faith and openly confess after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help edify your faith in Jesus. Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So I'm hopeful that you'll tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you might have grown up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and like this one, pride, and many more topics. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please join me, and if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, ensuring you get the latest releases when they become available. And friends, oftentimes, much of these podcasts are referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. But importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. So until next time, remember, you have been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, the last scripture in the Bible says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.